In this podcast, I wanted to talk a bit about separation of powers, and it's something that's pretty important with our government, the the federal government, um, and also our state governments, but more so the federal government, since it seems to be the one that is completely wrecking the country. Now, our state governments cannot be uh, taken off the hook because they are actively participating with all of this. But it is something uh, worth noting that most of the laws and most of the things that we have to follow on a daily basis are all originating from the federal government. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is the separation of powers and the way that it's supposed to work. And that is, and I'll just read this from uh, a website here. It says the U.S. Constitution establishes three separate but equal branches of government. The legislative branch, which makes the law, the executive branch, which enforces the law, and the judicial branch, which interprets the law. Um, And the way that the framers structured the the government in this way to prevent one branch of government from becoming too powerful and to create a system of checks and balances. Now, that's the way that our country is supposed to be set up. And some would argue that it is set up that way. That's exactly the way all of the processes work. But I want to get back to that 13th Amendment, the the amendment that should have been in place but never got ratified by the states. And whether we might be able to uh, get the states, the ones that haven't ratified it, to get them motivated to actually ratify it. But why would we want to do that? Why do you think the people back in the day actually tried to pass that particular amendment? And it comes down to this concept of separation of power. Now, the first thing that you have to do is start thinking about the people that are in politics, the the Congress and the House or the Senate and the House and what they're made up of, what what types of people are actually getting into into that environment. And one interesting note is that over half of them are all millionaires. Now, a lot of them were not millionaires when they got into office. But within a few years, they somehow mysteriously become millionaires, even though they only make a few hundred thousand dollars a year in that in that position. So um, it's it's really interesting when you consider, for example, that Barack Obama lives in a massive multi-million dollar mansion out in out in the uh, the ocean front. And yet he only makes four hundred thousand, four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and he's never actually had a job in his entire life. Uh, the man literally went from college to to Congress, and even only served there for a, a couple years before he became the president of the United States. And yet, in that short period of time, he was somehow able to amass the the required millions and millions of dollars to buy just this one house. That's not even the only thing he owns, but that's just uh, an example. So the first thing, and this doesn't have anything to do with separation of powers, but it is worth noting that most of the people that are in Congress have no relationship whatsoever with the people that are that they're supposed to be representing. They're they're so far out of touch with the common man that it's hard to even reconcile how they would ever be able to relate to us. The second thing that is worth noting is that 
in the 60s, and this is declining a little bit, but in the 60s, over half of the politicians were bar-associated attorneys. Now, the Bar Association is actually not an Amer- American or originating thing. It's something that you know has been around for, for many, many centuries. And it's something that every attorney in our country is a member of. In fact, it's, it's, there's attorneys all over the world that are Bar Associated attorneys. Now, what exactly does that have to do with anything? Well... I want to think about for a second, or I want you to think about for a second, the fact that attorneys go to school to learn law. Law is written in a way that the common man can't understand it. In fact, the lawyers themselves can't understand it. That's why they have to constantly argue with each other and take each other to court, because even the judges of the Supreme Court make rulings that would make a common man scratch his head as to how they reached the, you know, the conclusion that they did. I mean, the, the entire the entire organization is filled from top to bottom with mental retards. And yet somehow they have convinced all of us that they are just the most brilliant minds on earth. Um, anyone that has to have their own dictionary to define words because yeah, you can make them mean whatever you want just based on whatever decision you can possibly come up with. It has to bring some questions with it. Now, what does that have to do with the politicians and the separations of power? Well, I want to consider something. If the legislative branch, the Congress, is made up of more attorneys than anyone else, and the judges that sit over the cases and the attorneys that take those cases to court are all associated with the bar, and then most of the people in the, in the executive branch are bar attorneys. Doesn't that mean that they're all in the same group? They're all members of the same organization, and yet they're all serving on different branches of our government that are supposed to have a separation of power? If they're all serving together and they're all bar-associated attorneys how do we have a separation of power? Because it seems to me that the the legislative branch that is supposed to be making up our laws are making up laws that no one can understand because they're attorneys and they know how to speak, double speak. And then the judges that are going to eventually hear the cases are all members of the same elite group well, the judges on most occasions are going to find some way to make sure that their fellow associates don't look like the fools that they actually are. And so they end up interpreting, for example, Obamacare, which was clearly and argued in front of the world as, as not being a tax. They come out and say that it must have been a tax. They, they made them, they, they, it has to be a tax because it surely the Congress and the Senate did the, the house and the Senate didn't pass an unconstitutional law. So what could we as the Supreme brains of the world, how could we manipulate this mess of thousand page documents, multi thousand page documents to make sure that it's legal, to make sure that at least most of that uh, legislation survives this 
constitutional argument. There are laws that have been passed by our Congress that specifically stated that they were not, they, they either had to be accepted in whole or not be valid at all. They literally in the law said that this has to be passed as a whole law. It can't be passed in part. It gets challenged, goes to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court upholds parts of the law as being constitutional so as to not over, overturn a law that Congress passed. They, they, I, as far as I know, the U.S. Uh, Supreme Court has never overruled or overturned a single piece of legislation that has ever been sent to them from, from a, their bar-associated attorneys. So there's obviously a conflict of interest here, and it's obvious that the reason that our past politicians or our past state uh, environments wanted to make sure that attorneys could not, could not serve in a political office because as long as they are there, you don't have separation of, of power. And therefore, the entire point of the Constitution in limiting the power of the government has failed. So maybe we need to actually get a little bit more serious and look into this 13th Amendment and how many states had actually already passed it and how many more would need to pass it in order to get it enacted. Because... If you could get attorneys out of the politics, I'd argue that we'd have a completely different political system than we have today.